Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Family Business Today podcast, where every family business has a story to tell and a step to take to not only thrive, but working together, create a lasting family legacy. I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Stephen Goodman. For more than 30 years, Stephen, president and CEO of SHG Planning, has provided insightful solutions to the challenges of business succession, wealth preservation, retirement, and charitable planning. He currently services hundreds of clients focusing on the needs of owners of closely held businesses and high net worth individuals. Stephen is the author of Business Succession Planning, a guide to transfers, sales, family harmony, and minimizing litigation, has written numerous articles for leading trade journals, and has been a part of some 150 seminars about business succession and wealth preservation. Well, hello, Stephen. Thanks for joining me for this edition of Family Business Today. I've been looking forward to hearing more about your experience with family business transition planning. So Stephen, uh, you've been at this, I, I understand, more than 30 years. What first got you into working with family businesses? Well, um, it wasn't like a plan of mine that I was <laughs> going to do it. I, when I got into, you know, we'll call it the financial planning, estate planning world, um, I met, you know, many different people, some that were family businesses, some that were not. And I always found that the family businesses were the most interesting and challenging to deal with because it wasn't just doing tax planning or financial planning. It was that emotional, the, the very significant emotional issues that come into play when you have a family business. And I just found it to be so much more interesting. Well, that's great. Well, well, uh, speaking of that, so uh, uh, you, you've already mentioned it, that it really makes them different from others is, is this emotional uh, part of it there. Uh, why is that? Well, um, you know, because you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, your family, you're dealing with relationships. Um, I mean, like the perfect example that I always use is that, you know, I'm a dad, I have two kids, um, you know, they're older, but, you know, as they were growing up, as I'm sure you've experienced, anybody with kids, they play you against one another, you know, like, oh, you got me, you got your brother, my brother this, you didn't get me this, I got a, he got a bicycle at six, you, I, I had to wait till I was eight, he has a TV, when do I get a TV? And you tell your kids, as all parents do, I love you the same, Every you're always equal, I'm always <laughs> gonna treat you fairly, I'm always gonna treat you the same. And then one day you're 70 years old and your kids are in their 30s, or you're 60 and your kids are in their 30s, and you say, my God, I got this big business. I have three kids, only one of them are in the business. And the business is basically the majority of my estate. How do I divide up my assets if something happens to me? Like, do I give it to all of my kids, even though two of them aren't in the business? Well, that could cause problems. Do I give it just to the kid in the business? Well, then I'm not gonna be able to give a lot to my other kids, that's gonna cause problems. You know, do I give my kid in the business voting control and the other kids non-voting? Mm. Well, that could cause problems, you know, and there's no, there's no right way to do it. Like every way you do it, somebody's not gonna be happy. And so what happens is, you know, you're a parent and basically 
you know, look, I'm a dad and I'm a grandfather. So like, I love my grandkids. And if I knew like, this doesn't affect me personally, but if I knew that I was going to do things for my daughter and I wasn't going to do it for my son. And then my daughter-in-law is going to find out that her husband, my son, isn't getting treated in their mind fairly, then all of a sudden my daughter-in-law could say, you know what, your dad say, you know what? And you know what? I'm Your parents aren't seeing our kids anymore. They, they're mistreating you. They're not treating you in the right way. Uh, and you know what? They're not going to see the grandkids. And there's no grandparent that ever wants that to happen. So sometimes <laughs> dad, more so than even mom, but sometimes dad says, you know what? I'm not going to do any planning. You know what? I'm just not, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to upset the apple cart. I'm going to say nothing. I'm going to do nothing. And when I'm dead, my kids will have to deal with it at that point <laughs> in time. And it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. So, you know, sure, sure. Um, that's, so that, you know, when I'm saying emotional, that's what I'm referring to. You sure. know? It, it, so sometimes they just run away. They run away from the problem and, and that's not good, but it's understandable why it happens. Well, I think that's the reason why I think uh, SBA has some statistics out there that only 30% of uh, uh, family businesses successfully transition to the second generation, 15 to the third, and less than 4% to the fourth and beyond. And the primary reason for that is a, is a lack of planning. And, and part of that is, is they just uh, say, I'm just going to leave it to, to the next generation. So is it possible to make a, 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 a family business owner plan? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's no doubt that you can do planning. Um, and again, as I said before, no matter what my, my I always view that my job is not to tell you, assuming, you know, Greg, you were the business owner. My job is not to tell you how to do this. My job is to tell you, here is a few different ways you could do this. And here's the pluses and minuses of the different ways to do it. And then listen to you. And then you could decide which of those ways are the ones that make you most comfortable knowing that there's a multitude of different ways to do it. And then once you decide which way to do it, I'm gonna reinforce and remind you what are the negatives of going that route before you make that decision. But in order to accomplish planning, you need a founder that's prepared to do it because it's going to take it takes six months to a year to go through a plan. Mm -hmm. It takes multiple meetings, and most entrepreneurs a are busy, and they prioritize what's important because this is never important today. This is the future. Mm -hmm. They always put today over the tomorrow. So so they're going to push off meetings. Ah, you know what? I got to cancel the meeting, Steve something came up with my business or, oh, my accountant can't come to the meeting because he has an issue. And, and then it takes two and a half years to do it because they keep canceling the meetings and you keep losing momentum and it never gets anywhere. So you need a, you need an owner that's committed to it. That's going to give the time. That's going to not cancel meetings. You need a business owner that if he has various members of his financial team that he wants involved, that, he, he keeps them together. He doesn't meet them individually. He doesn't yep. like play them against one another and that he makes sure 
that none of the team members have too big of an ego and want to control the process because they want to show how smart they are to the business owner because then that leads to conflict. You need a team that's going to work together for the benefit of the client and a client that wants that. If you have a client that fits those categories over that six month to a year period of time, you could come up with a plan. It's going to have issues. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be things in it that are going to bother the person, but you know, at least it's been well thought out and done. I will say to you that in my opinion, a very small percentage of family businesses take the time to really do it right. Mm -hmm. I think the majority of them just, they don't want to spend the time. They don't want to spend the money. They don't want to make the decisions that could cause family conflict. Mm -hmm. They call it run away from the problem and, and they figure, let the next gen when I'm dead, my kids can kill each other. Like I know as a parent, I always say that as a parent to me, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of parents, you know, grade themselves on how smart their kids are, what schools their kids went to, how much money their kids make, you know, uh, how many friends their kids have, uh, you know, how good they are in sports. At the end of the day, to me, what's most important in my mind in, in, in evaluating is how good of people are my kids? Like how good are they as mm -hmm. human beings? And when I'm not here anymore, what's the odds that the, the two or three or four of them are gonna get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's and mm -hmm. the, the religious holidays? You know, that to me is the ultimate measuring tool. And if I'm going to leave my kids a disaster when my wife and I die because I didn't get around to it, there's almost zero chance that there's not going to be friction between the kids if I just leave a total mess when I'm not here anymore. Mm. And, and as a parent, to me, that's that's just not the way I would want to leave things. Right, right. Yeah, uh, that uh, <laughs> letting them clean up the mess after they're gone. Well, you, you've you've touched on a little bit, and this whole idea of we we all hear it when we're working with families is treating our children fairly versus treating our children equally, whether they work in the business or they they don't. But what what are some of the common mistakes business owners make transitioning their business to their children? Other than, and of course, the first one is is uh, is uh, making some of those decisions before you bring in an unbiased outside advisor uh, like Stephen, uh, but. Uh, what, what are some of the common mistakes business owners make? I'll uh, give, you, give you a bunch of them. Um, they gift shares to their children right. outright. Mm -hmm. They don't have a buy-sell agreement. Right. And then, and then one of their kids gets divorced and one of their kids, God forbid, dies and shares could end up in the hands of their spouse <laughs> or ex-spouse. So that's, right. that's, that's a problem. Second problem is you... you um, you have assets like, I, I mean, I could jump all over the lot here. You know, I have a business and I have real estate that the business is housed in. And I decide I'm going to give the business to my kids in the business and I'm going to give real estate to my kids not in the business. And then the problem is when I ask the business owner, how much rent does the business pay to the business entity that owns the, the, that owns the real estate? Oh, I pay enough to cover, you know, my... <laughs> my mortgage and my property taxes. 
So there's, are you paying fair market rent? No. So, I, so then I say to the business owner, like your son and daughter that are not in the business, how long do you think they're going to be willing to let your son or daughter that's in the business continue to pay them 200000 in rent when they could rent it to an outside person at 400000 mm-hmm. Okay. And can the business afford to pay 400000 in rent when they've only paid two hundred? Mm-hmm. And if the kids, if there's no lease and the kids who own the building throw your kid out of the building because they want to lease it to somebody else, what impact is that going to have to, to the, to your child or children that own the business? Or if the children or child that own the business say, you know what, I'm leaving this building. I, I'm going to go find some, I'll, I'll buy a building to have the business in. Maybe the biz, the building was set up for that kind of business. And now you're leaving your kids who, who have this asset, the real estate, a building they can't even lease out to anybody else because it was specifically designed for that kind of business. And they're going to have a difficult time finding another tenant. Okay. Or, or I've given, I have three kids in my business and, and, you know, if you ask the business owner objectively, you know, um, are all three of your kids equally talented? Do they all work equally hard? Do they all make an equal contribution in the business? If the business owner is honest, they're going to tell you no, that there's differences. There's difference in how hard they work, how smart they are, how experienced they are. So, so if I have one kid who I'm paying more money than I'm paying another child, um, how long is it going to take after I'm gone that the, the child who's getting paid less is going to say to the other child, I want to get paid the same amount of money as you, okay? And I mm-hmm. want to make the same decisions you make. Or if I have three kids in the business, am I leaving it where two of the kids could team up on the third child and outvote them on everything and pull all the money out of the business and make all the decisions and you leave one of your kids with a piece of paper that isn't worth anything? I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> I'm no, just hitting you, with, hitting no. you with a few of them that just you know come to my mind immediately, but there's a lot more of those. Yeah. So what we're, what you're saying is, is, you know, you, the uh, owner may want to leave to his children to work out uh, after they're gone, but actually a lot of those problems are going to pop up uh, uh, before, before they're gone. So need to address them. Well, we've been talking about transitioning a family business uh, to the next generation. But not always are there uh, a next generation. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the mistakes family business owners make with transitioning their business to uh, non-family members uh, like their business partners or maybe even their employees through some type of ESOP? Yeah, well, look, we can you know touch upon each of them. So let's first start with employees. Mm-hmm. Don't go the ESOP route, which is not right for everybody. You have to have the right, right. size business. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if the business doesn't make enough money, it's just not practical. Um, but the problem with transferring to your employees generally is they don't have any money. So, you know, the, the odds are they don't have any money. So how are you transferring it to them? You know, they're going to buy you out. Are they buying you out at death and they have life insurance? So, you're, you're, you know, in essence, you're buying yourself out because the business or you're paying for a premium for them to buy you out if something happens to you. If you want to get bought out while you're alive, you know, in essence, you're really buying yourself out because they don't have any money to buy you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ESOP, for the right facts and circumstances, could be very attractive because if done right, you could potentially receive the money tax-free and you could continue to have warrants in your business. 
So you could have you could get bought out and get upside again as the business pays down the debt to you and to the bank and grows. Uh, so that could be an attractive uh, thing. But you know, again, you have to have the right size business and you have to have some employees that really are capable of running the business. When you're dealing with partners, there's a, a multitude of issues because you know. I could be your partner. I could have kid, a kid in the business. You could have a kid in the business. I want to pass it to my kid. You want to pass it to your kid, but I don't want to be partners with your kid and you don't want to be partners with my kid. So now we have a buy-sell agreement and I die and you collect insurance and you buy me out. And now my kid, son or daughter that was in the business is now an employee in the business of which their parent no longer is around. So how long is it going to be before the other family tells my kid, we don't need you anymore. So, you know, I, I have I have a child who's invested, you know, they're 40 years old and they've invested 15 years of their life in this business. And because I die before my partner, they end up getting nothing and get they, they lose the opportunity to be an owner and they lose a job. And now they're 40 years old and they got to go out into the street and find a new career. You know, so, I mean, again, there's so many issues that come into play there that you know you could buy out a partner's business interest but they still own the real estate and you have the issue i mentioned before with mm -hmm. you know, what kind of lease payments are made um so it, it's a multitude of things mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah that's one of the reasons why it's good to have a uh, unbiased family advisor like yourself uh to uh, to help them uh, through those decision making processes well, um, you know, we've been talking about the uh, family business owner after their death, but let's talk for a minute about uh, succession uh, planning when it involves some sort of way for the uh, family business owner to finance their retirement. You mentioned one of those ways, which is a buy-sell agreement. Can you talk a little bit about this and what are the most common pitfalls around a family business buy-sell agreement? Well, look, obviously, if you, depending what you do, like there are, there are situations where a senior generation sells their interest to reju to the, to the children. And, you know, as that's a means of, of getting a retirement. Well, if it's done that way, it, it's a taxable event. So, you know, the business owner, the business owner has to realize that you know, if they have a business worth $10 million and they sell it to their kids, they're going to pay capital gains tax on that. And they may only be left with, you know, $6 million or $7 million after tax. Mm -hmm. um, there's ways, again, we don't have enough time in this, in the podcast, but there's a thing called the sale to a defectively, defective grantor trust where a senior generation sells the business to a trust for the benefit of the kids. And that actually doesn't cause taxes initially when you're doing it because for income tax purposes it's you're selling it to yourself that technique is one of the techniques that was being proposed in this new the new law that that's washington is considering mm -hmm. up until about a week ago there was a whole provision to stop that transaction now i'm hearing that may not be in the in the new law but then again i don't even think joe biden knows what's going to be in the new law because mm -hmm. every day it changes. So if we don't know what's going to be in the law. Mm -hmm. But that's a technique that, you know, to be honest, 
is somewhat abusive. I mean, it's not abusive in that it's not legal, but it's abusive in that, you know, very wealthy people could sell a business to their kids in trust, not pay capital gains tax on it, you know, move it outside of their estate and end up actually paying the income taxes on the profits of the business going forward, which is an unbelievable estate planning technique, you know, and that's why the government was looking at that. But mm -hmm. who knows whether it'll be available or not, I don't know. Sure, sure. Well, you mentioned wills there for just a second. I know that we are uh, uh, talking to family business owners uh, and talking about uh, whether they have a will, one, uh, or two, is their will up to date? Uh, you mentioned uh, something about uh, uh, trustees, guardians, uh, and certainly for younger children, that's very important, and, and sometimes even for for adults. But um, what have you found to be the right way for a family business owner to choose a trustee uh, or a guardian? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question, and it's there's no right or wrong answer. So first off, Guardian has nothing to do with business or not. It has right. to do with the age of the kids. So, you know, one of the things that, that I always say when you're, when you're choosing a guardian, um, some of the, what I believe are some of the most important things that you need to consider. I mean, A, you have to make sure that the person you're choosing as a guardian actually wants to be the guardian. Okay, mm -hmm. that's, you know, you don't want to just have, you know, die and, and your, your, your brother or your sister finds out that, they're the guardian of your kids and you never talked about it. Right. Secondly, secondly, you need to make sure that the home that the guardian lives in is set up to be able to handle your children. You know, like, you know, think of your home that you live in. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have three kids. You could say, okay, I want four bedrooms in the house. That's your home. Now, all mm -hmm. of a sudden, your, your brother dies and now th his three kids come to live with you. Where, where are you putting them? You know, are you now going to want all of your kids to be like having to share bedrooms with one another or with their, their cousins? You know, so if 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 you can't put that burden on on somebody without helping them. So like I know in, my kids are older now, but I know when my kids were younger, you know, I had a certain amount of money. Let's call it half a million dollars. I left to my guardian to be used to either buy a bigger house or expand their house. And that was their money to keep. You know, to me, I felt like they're, they're, they're gonna be at the guardian to my kids. It's worth a lot more than $500,000 to have somebody who's gonna raise your children. Mm -hmm. So I didn't wanna burden them and I didn't wanna inconvenience their kids or my kids. Sure. So I provided, a lot of people don't think of that. The, the other things you need to think about is if you are much wealthier than the person that you are leaving your children to, you know, and you're, you're going to, you die and your kids are going to have like a trust fund with a lot of money and you want your kids to go to the, the nice camps they went to during the summer, but your brother wasn't as wealthy as you and your brother wasn't sending his kids to the same camps that you were. Now, that doesn't matter when he lives in his house and you live in your house. Not every brother and sister live the same lifestyle, but do you want your kids to come live with your brother and you've left money and trust so your kids can keep going to a nice camp? So your brother's sending your kids to a nice camp, but his kids can't go to the same camp. 
what, what, what kind yeah. of impact do you think that's going to have on the relationship right. between cousins when you're living under the same roof? So you have to say, mm, I want to make sure that I put a provision so that if that were to happen, that my brother could send his kids to the same camp as I'm, I want my kids to go to, and I'm going to provide the money for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm hitting you with like, you, you could you could see how, yeah. and and a lot of times when people meet with their lawyers, you know these lawyers are talented, smart, you know they understand the laws, they know how to draft documents, but lawyers a lot of times don't speak the way I just spoke to you, you know they don't talk about these things, right. and people make mistakes because the average person isn't going to think through the process the way I just thought through it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then they're going to end up in situations where, where something happens to them and it's going to lead to real, real issues. Mm. Well, thank you very much. That so, uh, sort of sounds like a Cinderella story, doesn't it? <laughs> that, that sisters uh, keep Cinderella out from the different things that she has for her. Well, let's talk for a minute about your book uh, that you've written. You've written a book called Business Succession Planning, a guide to transfers, sales, family harmony, and minimizing litigation. And we could talk for hours about each one of these individually, but let's talk for just a minute about the one that all the others is important to have uh, to uh, work together on to have family harmony. What are some simple steps that family business owners can take right now to achieve family harmony during the succession planning process? Well, look, it goes back to some of the things we've spoken about yeah. already. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, look, in the perfect world, and the world is very rarely perfect, but in the perfect world, you are going to allocate the time to do proper planning and you're going to communicate to your family what you've decided to do. You may be willing to accept their input, but at the end of the day, you're going to make a decision. The, the uh, As I said to you, the odds are that if you go through this process and you enlighten your family to what you're doing, there will there's going to be a certain amount of disharmony. You know, it's almost impossible to not have some level of disharmony. So it's almost always, it's almost impossible to have perfect harmony, okay? Sure. But it's still better, in my opinion, to plan rather than to not plan and to communicate rather than to not communicate because if you don't plan or you don't communicate, you're gonna leave a total mess. Mm. At least, at least like, if I, like if I sat down and I had two kids in the business, and I made a decision that, you know what, son, son number two, son number one is gonna, is gonna get the control in this business. Because if I leave it to you 50-50, you're never gonna get anything done. So I'm gonna put your older brother, your older sister is gonna get control. And the reason is not only have they been in the business longer, but they, you know, they've, they've had more responsibility and they're better equipped to run the job. Now that's gonna hurt son number two or daughter number two's feelings a little, I'm sure, and it could affect relationship, but at least it gives son number two the opportunity to say, you know what, dad, I'm going to leave the business. I don't want to stay in the business. You know, I don't want to invest more of my life in this business because I realize that when you're not here 
instead of you being my boss, my brother's going to be my boss. And I'm more willing to accept you being my boss than my brother being my boss or my sister. And it gives me the chance to get out versus I don't know that your feelings and you live to your 80 years old. And now I'm 50 and I find out about this when I'm 50 years old. And it's almost too late for me to go out and start another career or start another business. Mm -hmm. So again, I think the more planning you do and the more communication you do, the better the chances are that there'll be harmony, but there will be some, some ups and downs. Sure. 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 Well, Stephen, we're hearing a lot about uh, the great resig resignation where people are leaving the workforce in droves. Obviously, as a family business owner, you can't just quit and walk away without a plan. Well, of course, your plan may be to hang a going out of business sign on the door. We say that transition planning is a process and not an, an, an event. Any thoughts you'd like to offer family business owners who may be dealing with stress and just considering resigning from their business? Well, look, <laughs> you know, that's a big decision for anybody to make. Sure is. When it's a, because, because not only are you affecting your livelihood, but you're affecting the livelihood of all your employees that, you know, many of them that may have committed a long time to work for you. Um, you know, when it's a family business, now you could be affecting the livelihood of your children. So if let's say you say, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to sell my business. And, you know, you sell your business and you get a check for $10 million, but you got your 45 year old son and your 45 year old daughter that have spent the last 20 years in the business and they don't own any stock in the business. Mm -hmm. and you get this money, like, you know, now what are your kids doing when they're 45 years old? You know, right. mm -hmm. like you just pulled the rug out from under them, you know? Now, maybe it's the right financial decision, but you know, are you, are you gonna give any of the proceeds to your children? Are you gonna help them? Are you gonna help start, let them start their own businesses? Because if they've committed, you know, 20 years, you know, half of their working life to work in the business with their parents, which I'm sure the parents were happy about, because what parent wouldn't be happy to be able to see their kids every day in, in work, um, you know, but now you're pulling the wool out from under them, you know, you, that's a tough thing to do. So it makes it even more challenging when you have family in your business. Mm. Sure is, sure is. Well, we're coming to the end of our time together. There's, there's a lot of stuff we could unpack uh, today. I th really thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed this. Uh, what are some closing thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Well, again, somewhat repetitive. You know, if you do have, you know, a business or you have a family business, you know, even though it's never going to be your top priority, you're going to always be putting out fires as an entrepreneur. You should allocate you know, at least every couple of years, some time to really think through planning for the succession of your business and make sure you have the right team. And sometimes it is good to get an independent person who's not in there, you know, who has no agendas to kind of give you give you some insight. Um, and and I think it's important to communicate to your family. Well, thank you, Stephen. Well, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being my guest on Family Business Today. Please accept our best wishes for continued success for you and for your, your book, Business Succession Planning, a guide to transfers, sales, family harmony, and minimizing litigation. To learn more about Stephen, his business, SHG Planning, and to get a free copy of his book, 
uh, visit his website at www.stephengoodman.biz. www.stephengoodman.biz. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee, our passion is to help families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and working together create a lasting family legacy. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you are wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business advisor about your specific family business needs, schedule a 30-minute no-cost call by sending us email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. Until next time, thanks for joining us.